this was an incident that we wanted to get into that I swear we never talk about or I don't think we've talked about this in in decades because you came to the ticket, Bob, in 98, 98. All right. So I'd been there for a couple of years. And by the time 2000 rolled around, changes were made. Norm was hired in January, I think, of of that year. Maybe January or February. He came downstairs with the Cowboys' loss in Minnesota in the second year of the Chan Gailey administration. So January? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So uh, I think Chan's last game, maybe. And then in September, or I think actually in the summer, so he's been there for like six months, and we don't really know him, you know? Right. At all. And he was just this name and this kind of legend that was around here. But as far as just getting to know someone, we had grown up in this little, you know. Um, the bunker. Yeah, right. Us against the world. And so it was. And he was in the world. He was. He yeah. was part of the team world. He was the Dallas sports talk establishment. Right. That and, our bosses would talk about in hushed tones, but we're like, okay, what? all yeah. right, well, if you say so. And at the time, Norm was 55 years old, which I'll be 54 in September. If you want to put that into context. Was he wearing his Isbell shirt? (laughs) No. And his flip-flops. Have you ever seen Norm in flip-flops? I don't think so. Can't get him over his socks. House shoes. I don't think so. So, uh, I'd like in... May, June, July, something like that. We were told by our bosses, hey, coming up in, in September, we're going to throw a party for Norm because it's 25 years of continuous radio service to the Dallas-Fort Worth community. Um, that's the official marker for it. And okay. we're like, all right, well, what do we do? Whatever. We're going to have this huge thing. It's a black tie event. At the Majestic, right? At the Majestic. So go out, get a tux for this guy that you don't know. Yes. And then come up with bits because you all have to do something. And we're all looking at each other like, we don't even know him at all. We don't know him. Yes, it would be a stretch for... For us to suggest any sort of friendship or relationship with Norm, I mean, it's, it wasn't adversarial. I just... I didn't know him. Me and Dan were new to town, and it's like, okay, but is he different than Rhines, or is he different than Dale, or who's... Okay, I guess this is the guy we don't know that right. we're honoring. So 25 years in which we are the major part of this thing, but he doesn't even know us. It's not that we don't know him. He doesn't know us. And so it's this 25-year roast that is put together. I think Dan Bennett put all this together because Dan was... Dan Bennett, who's our general manager now, was Norm's producer for years and years and years before he started moving up the food chain at uh, then Susquehanna, which is our old parent company. And running the entire company. Right. Or at least this the city or the state. Right. And so... We're like, okay, and so you guys, Bob and Dan had the idea of, because you guys were way into Dumb and Dumber at the time. It was 80% (laughs) of our show. They rented the Dumb and Dumber tuxes. That's right. The famous pastel blue and orange Dumb and Dumber tuxes with top hats. Yes, I wore blue. 
And only you, five years after the movie came out. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. very typical. And okay, so if there's two things I, three things I clearly remember from that night: the tuxes, yeah, being seated right next to Pat Summerall at the at one of the main tables. Pat Summerall was there. So on the stage, Dan in an orange tux, Bob in a blue tux, Pat Summerall in a normal tux, right there. And then the third thing that I remember is uh, the giant chair, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. So <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I had no idea what to do. Well, and you s- killed it. Well, and so ended up writing a song about Norm, which became it's one of the first songs that we ever did, you know, up here uh, or that I ever did up here. And, and it's been played a million times. But we made a video out of it where we went to some uh, Irving movie studio house that held all these props. And they had this chair that was the size of like five chair, like ten chairs. It was a giant chair. Yes. It's the only way to describe a it. A massive chair. <laughs> yeah. And the video is of me sitting up there playing guitar and singing the song. And then Danny, our former producer, was over there in this normal size chair. Right. And it just looked funny more than anything else. Very, very funny. Yeah. And then we played the song and it was on the, the video screen and all that. But yeah, Pat Summerall, who was still a walking god at that time. Still the number one play-by-play man. Yes. Yeah. Was part of this. And do you remember what he did? No. I don't remember anything else from the whole night. Okay. Did you... Because you and Dan got up there, and the only part that I saw was (laughs) Dan telling a few jokes about how big Norm's nose was. Do you remember talking at all, or did you just kind of stand off to the side? I'm I'm sure I tried to set Dan up. I mean... Yeah. What the heck? It was, dude, I'm Fish out of water of the highest order. It was all so weird because we didn't know him. Well, Pat Summerall knew him. So Pat Summerall gets up there in front of all of us and in a tux. And this is the Pat Summerall set from the Norm Hitzkiss roast. First time I met Norm, I was uh, working and living in New York, working with Tom Brookshire. We had just started together. So this goes back 24, 25 years ago. And uh, Brookshire is not, he was still in Philadelphia, he couldn't make it to Dallas. I was here and went to a local radio studio. I have no idea what the studio was. And I met Norm. And this guy goes, I guess everybody does an imitation of Norm. (laughs) This guy goes, Okay, that brought the house down. <laughs> I, I don't even know what he did, but just the ah oh, ha 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 laugh, and that was that was it. And oh, Pat Summerall, you're the best man. Where's Tom? Where's Tom? And I said Tom's back in New York. He's, he's coming down. He'll be here. And he said, um, "And you're back." I said, "That's right." How did you work? How did you work together? How did you start to work together? And I thought, my gosh, this guy's not as old as he looks. His, his voice hasn't changed yet. Then I already went and tried Teflon shots on his throat to deepen his voice. 
what was that joke he said? He tried what shots? Teflon? Teflon shots. To deepen his voice? Okay. Went and tried Teflon shots on the throat to deepen his voice. <laughs> All the while you hear Norm, who is like, I guess he's mic'd up. I don't even know, but you can clearly hear him the whole time kind of giggling off to the side, which I find very weird. Went and tried Teflon shots on the throat to deepen his voice. <laughs> I found out that he had been a professional pallbearer, whatever that is. But over the years, as I got to know Norm and got to be associated with him through guest appearances and meeting him at the, that great KLIF location, I got to know what a hard worker, what a knowledgeable person he was and is. And he has all this useless information right at his fingertips. It's like John Madden says to somebody who might be on a production staff when they ask all the players all these questions. He says, now you got all that information, what the hell are you going to do with it? So I might ask Norm that same thing. What are you going to do with all that information you got? Golly. It was so weird. I couldn't believe it was Pat Summer, although he's one of those guys who was... Such a thrill to meet because that's that's the dude, man. I know. That's Pat. I know. So before that was played, they were playing all this or before Dale Hansen was the MC and before all that took went down, they were playing like old video and stuff of Norm. And they found something from like nineteen seventy three of him doing a some sort of story for Newsweek television. I don't even know what the hell it was. Yeah. And it was him at the racetrack. And Norm actually looked kind of badass. Like, I don't know how old, if Norm's 78 now, so it was probably about 50 years ago. So yeah, he was in his late 20s. 28, if it was 73. <laughs> he looked really, really cool. I'll show you guys a picture. Um, but anyway, we were talking about how voices change and how we play old audio from us and how our voices don't sound anything like they did in the 90s or early 2000s. Well, here is Norm's voice. In 1973. Everybody has a system for picking winners at the track. Some pour over the racing form. Less logical types might bet a horse because its name reminds them of a favored uncle. While others seek advice from close friends. If none of those methods have worked for you, perhaps you'd be ready to try the racetrack computer. A kind of pocket calculator that projects the winners of races based on past performance data. But before suggesting you rush out and get one, we thought we'd take it to Belmont Park to give it a trial run. So it's it's Norm, yeah. but it's like parallel universe Norm, you know? He looks awesome. I found the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks great. No, he looks he looks absolutely amazing. Still and sounds like a Jim Henson character of some yeah, but sort his of voice, Muppets, right? His voice actually is deeper there. It seems like. Yeah, I know. I know. So that's what he looked like back then. Oh, look at him. He kind of looks like Martin Mole, if you know. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know? From uh, SCTV. Yeah, from SCTV and Mr. Mom. And yeah, I mean, he's kind of, you know, infamous. But uh, yeah, Norm, back in the day, it was... various figures you get from the racing form. Weight, speed ratings, recent finishes. The computer eventually gives back a numbered rating for each horse. The highest number is the horse to bet. Its choice in the first race, a dark brown gelding named Peevish, jogged home fourth. I wonder if he still has that pocket 
horse computer. I'm sure he does somewhere. Did you see his NFL story that night? I still remember it. I don't remember it. His premise was that for three straight years, the average NFL player is getting shorter. And so he started to project where that's going to lead us to the tiny NFL players like in the 90s. Like, <laughs> like if this rate continues of NFL players shrinking an inch every three years, they will be, you know, five foot two. It, was it, that done in the 70s? Yeah. And he was actually like he was standing next to two tall Jones and, and it was a really funny bit. And, you know, he's standing on the bench. So he's as tall as too tall. And yeah. And then I, I forget he brought in somebody super short to sh- show you what NFL players will look like in 25 years. Dude, it was this, this <laughs> huge grand evening that all of us were just kind of looking around at each other like, what are we even doing here? Yeah. You know? He had Durwood Merrill. Remember Durwood Merrill got up and spoke? That's crazy. Yeah, like all these random people got up there. But yeah, it was 25 years ago, or 23 years ago, I guess, right when he started at the ticket. All right, let's my, do my dad, Just to close that, my dad reminds me all the time of the first time he came down to Dallas to see my new station. And he always talks about how I said to him, like, Dad, you wouldn't believe how old some of the dudes are at this station. And they were all like 45, <laughs> yeah, 47. And I'm like, man, I'm so young. Cause I was like 25. And yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't believe these old dudes who are running this radio station. Well, man. you know, here we are. Here we are. All right. Let's do a little snake pit next. The ticket.